verses 19 through 24.
So whatever we're passionate about, that's where our time and our money and our treasure, our talent, seems to flow that way. So passion is extremely important. So directionally, when we put our lives in motion, it needs to be going in one of two ways. If it's in the ways of the world, and our job and our life is going to be about accumulating. It's going to be about getting more. And it's never enough. They did a study one time of millionaires and asked them how much more money they needed. And every single one of them said that it was a bunch more than they already had. To a person. You see, the fact is, is that money can never quench the thirst to satisfy us for the things that we need. And the reason I say this is because of this. You buy a bigger house, but most of the time it comes with bigger bills and bigger problems if something goes wrong. Alright? You can buy a bigger, better, faster car, but the same thing. When it breaks down, it costs more money to take care of, right? And so we think that by getting something larger, by getting something better, by getting something bigger, we're going to get something of greater value for it. Well, sometimes we do. The value might be greater. But there's also a lot of times a greater expense. Now think about that applicationally in all of our lives, in every aspect of our lives. We may choose to be a part of something other than God's work, and that's great. You can spend your time, free time, ever how you want to be able to use it, right? God gives us the time, the same amount of time in a day. If we go pour our lives in these things, how many of you have ever decided to get involved in something and come to find out it was much more time involved than you thought it was? It became it cost you a whole lot more than you ever thought it was going to cost you. You see, time is something that we don't think about too much in, in an aspect of a treasure of our life or something that we're going to have to give an account for our stewardship of. And see, when God looked at this, we need to look at this holistically the way that God sees it to us. Now, he speaks to us a lot about in this passage about money, but it's more than about money. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that I may have life and have it abundantly. God wants to give to us abundantly. He wants to give more to us. But we try to go out and get it. We try to go out and grab it and get it ourselves instead of allowing him to give it to us. Now, there's a process that God works us through to give it to us. And the reason that, that we call this stewardship is because we first have to learn how to handle what we have and what we've been given before God keeps more our direction. And so the abundance of our life or the lack of the abundance of our life is directly correlated with us. You know, we think that it's all about God. God just won't do this for me. I keep praying and asking for God to do this, and he just don't show up and he won't do it. And the thing that we need to do is step back and look and realize, what are we doing with what he's already given us? If he's already given us this and we're treating it like that, then why is he going to give us more of it? If we're already wasting our time, why is he going to give us more free time when we keep hurling ourselves into all these different directions? And instead of spending it in devotion to him, we spend it in devotion to something else. We put our passion somewhere else. If he's given us all this talent and this skill set for us to be able to do something, if we're not doing it for him, then why do we think that he's going to allow it to be expanded in other directions for us? Same thing financially. 
If we want our bank account to increase, what are we doing already with the money that he is giving and the things that he has blessed us with? And so we have to turn our focus away from trying to get more and more and more on our own and allow God to give to us because that's about stewardship. That's about what God wants us to have. That's what true treasure is for us here in this place is not to be spent in this place. Does that make make sense? When God gives us something for here, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is to be expended here. It is to be invested here. Let's look at this. I'm getting way ahead of myself here on this. The first thing I want you to see is if your life is about accumulation, it's all about acquisition. It's to gain. Acquisition is defined as a gain for oneself through one's actions and efforts. You see, that's about us. Pull up your bootstraps, go to work, and get it done, right? If you don't have it right now, just go work harder for it. Look, we've all been taught that. That's the, that's the ways of the world. Now, I'm not trying to say that Scripture doesn't say that we need to be good stewards of what we've been given in the sense of our work ethic. But what I am trying to say is that sometimes we can't work ourselves out of where we need to go or what God has laid before us. Sometimes we have to sit and be still. Sometimes we have to stop and turn it over to God. Sometimes we have to lay it down instead of plowing harder. Sometimes we've got to step back so that we can see instead of continuing to forge ahead, thinking that we can work it, get it to work its way out. Because the more and more and more that we invest into something on our own trying to get it, the more empty that we feel inside when we don't achieve it. Is that right? How many of you have spent years and years and years working for a company only to find out that the company five years before you were getting ready to retire changed their retirement plan, and now you're the one that's going to get left behind with that? I spent 30 years investing in this, thinking that you were going to do this for me, only to have the rug pulled out. You see, we spend all this time, we spend all this effort, we try to get to the game uh, at the end that we think that we need to have or we should have, when in actuality God says if we will do right and give, then he will give back to us how? How is he going to give back to us? Abundantly. So the first thing we need to see is that life doesn't need to be about acquisition or about accumulation. This one's not on your outline, but I'm going to give it to you. And it's in Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 22. You can go look it up and read it yourself. I think this is really telling, all right? A ruler questioned him, Jesus, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not com- Listen to this now. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And honor your father and mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. I want you to notice something right there. We need to look and see what Scripture tells us. Jesus just gave this guy five of the Ten Commandments. The commandments that he did not give him, four, the first four, that deal with our relationship with God, and the last one that he didn't give him was, Thou shalt not covet. So look at what Jesus didn't say to him. So there's the holes in this guy's life, is that he didn't have a relationship with God, and that he coveted. And he gave him the five that he what? He kept. He said, I have kept all these things from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing 
you still lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. So he needed to establish a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his son. And he needed to stop coveting and thinking that he could go out and just act, acquire all this on his own because he had already accumulated wealth. You see, Jesus pointed out directly the hole that was in his life. The hole that was in his life was his relationship with the Father. And when we're all focused about accumulating and acquiring things, then our focus is in the wrong place. And when we get caught up in that, then we tend to get overextended. The majority of families, the majority of families in the United States live on greater than 100% of their income. About 102% on average. We're in debt because our spending is greater than what comes in. And we think the answer to that is to get what? More coming in. Now think about this too. We are fatigued and tired. We're no longer servants. We no longer can spend time serving God because we've got to spend all of our time accumulating money to pay all of our bills. And so when we do take on things outside of that, we become exhausted. So we've exhausted all of our time, we've exhausted all of our effort, and we've exhausted all of our funds. We have nothing left. We are empty. And the church is full of this. And the reason I say the church is full of this is because if we know that half the people in the United States are living in, in this kind of overextended manner, there's a good portion of them within the church doing the same thing. We're not taking God's word and applying it out in the world. We're taking the world's value and bringing it in the church. The church can't operate within a budget. The church is overextended. The church can't pay it. We're trying to do the same things out inside the church that's going on outside in the world. We need to stop thinking about acquiring and accumulating. We need to stop this entire process. God looks at us right now and says, you know these things. But is he saying the same thing to us that he said to the rich young ruler? Your relationship with God is missing. And you're coveting what everybody else has. Another picture is given to us in Luke chapter 12. And this one he said, he said to them, he's telling them a parable now. He says, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. This is what happens when we get in an accumulating mindset is that we become greedy. So, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And then he said, what will I do? I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain. He was blessed, and all he thought about was building more and accumulating more. And I will say to my soul, Soul, I have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take, eat, and drink, and be merry. And God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. Now who will own what you have prepared? How many of you or how many people get to take it with them? How many of you are taking your stuff with you? Anybody here taking your stuff with you on email? How many here have had to divest of what's been left by someone else to you? Anyone else had to divest of what's been left? Have you ever gone through some of that stuff and gone, why in the world were they keeping this? 
why were we holding on to this? Why was this so important? I don't understand. See, the things that we have and we accumulate a lot of times don't have the same meaning for everybody else. They mean something to us. They may have even be a value to us. But the reality is, is that they're not value to someone else. They're just what? They're just stuff that's been accumulated over time that then someone else is, who is left behind has to, has to deal with that. How much of our effort and our focus went into that, finding that, holding on to that, keeping that, when in reality, what would have happened if we would have just let it go? Just let it go. It's not about building more cars. I'm not even going to go to this here, but I'm just going to say it. I don't spend a whole lot of time. How many storage units do you own? Does your basement need to be bigger? Are you thinking about expanding in a garage just so that you can put more stuff in it? That's all I'm saying. Preacher, back up. Back up, preacher. served multiple churches. I've had building projects. First church plant we planted, we bought some land. The land was valuable. We had put a great building on it, but the land was eventually sold after I left, um, and the church moved and relocated to a different place, and it was sold for a profit. Woohoo! Second church I was at, we built a building, $1.5 million building, zero debt. If I put that kind of stuff on my resume, send it out to a church. You know what the church thinks? This dude gets stuff done, man. He's overseeing all this kind of stuff. That looks like grade A stuff. It's not on my resume. I don't want to be known for buildings and budgets. I want to be known for the impact that we have on people's lives in the kingdom. It's more important about how many people went out missionally and served in the community and how many people gave their life to Christ than it is about how many buildings I built and how big the budgets of those churches were. Or how many people sat in the pews or the chairs or whatever we were sitting in. You see, this is the way we look at life. This is the way we build it, our kingdom. And it happens in the church and it happens outside the church. We've got to be more about serving. We've got to be more about stewardship of what God has given. Why? Because that's how we're going to be found faithful. This is how we're going to be found faithful. I'm just going to make this statement right here. You have all the money in the world. If you're not tithing, you're not being a faithful steward of what God has given. Because, see, God looks at it this way. I want you to be trustworthy with that which I've given to you. It's not about acquisition. It's about distribution. Distribution is to divide and to give out in shares, to deal out, to a lot. Brought me here over a year. 
amazing this sight. You know what really pumps me up is on Sunday morning that these ladies, that play back there, that young people in this church are getting back involved in what's going on, and that we're building this back up from the ground and the foundationally of what we need it to be. Not thinking about today, but thinking about tomorrow. Thinking about 10 years from now, 25 years from now, and reinvesting in what this place is and what it has been into this community for all of these years. And not thinking about what we've done, but thinking about what we're about to do. It's about distribution. It's about pouring in. It's about investing stuff, time, talent, treasure, passion in something other than ourselves. Matthew chapter 25 is a great picture of this. This is where we have the uh, parable of the talents. One, if you remember correctly, is given ten. One is given five. One is given one. The one who's given one takes it and hides it in the ground. The one that has ten takes it and doubles it. The one that has been given five takes it and doubles it. <clears throat> so the master shows back up. What does he do? Takes the one talent from the one, the one talent the guy has. This just sounds ruthless, doesn't it? And who does he give it to? He gives it to the guy that's already got 20 talents. Most of us in the world today would sit there and go, that guy's got enough. In fact, that's what we do culturally. You have enough, now you've got to go, we're going to take it from you and give it to somebody else. The way the Lord looks at it is, how have you been responsible with what I've already given you? And if you're hiding it in the ground and not using it, you're not going to keep it. You're not going to keep it. You're going to have it taken away, and you're going to have it given to someone who God has found faithful and gets the job done. So now that person has 21 talents. And this is what he says. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master, for everyone who has... More shall be given. And he shall have a what? Where's that word again? An abundance. But for the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be what? Just left with him? Taken away. Luke 12, 42 through 43 says this, And the Lord said, Who then is faithful and sensible steward? Now look, think about this. I just read to you up in chapter 12 from verses 15 through 18. So right down past this, Luke is telling us this. For who then is faithful and sensible steward from whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give him their rations at the proper time? Blessed is the slave who is the master who the master finds doing so when he comes. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required, and from whom they have trusted much, of him they will ask all the more. Now, some of you have been faithful in what you've been getting. Some of us. Some of some of that. Have any of you ever asked, how much more do I have to do? When is everybody else going to step up and do their part? Now, I know that's never come out of anybody's mouth here, right? No one has ever. Not in front of the pastor, not behind the pastor, not anywhere in the presence of the pastor, right? But in somewhere in somewhere else's house in the room at a different time, a different day, you probably go, I'm tired of doing this. 
to whom the one who's given 21 talents, he's on the hook for more. Why? Because God has given him more. To whom much is given, much is required. Y'all remember the prayer of Jabez? Y'all remember all that back in the day? Why don't you think about that for a second? We were praying for God to draw you up. That was a thing that happened in the 90s. It was a guy wrote a book. It was a prayer in the Old Testament. Go look up the prayer of Jabez. It'll pop up when you Google it. All right? So you can read about it and stuff. And the prayer of Jabez is Jabez may ask God and pray to God for him to expand his territory. Everybody in the church was what? Praying to Jabez, man. We want God to expand our territory. Give us what? Give us more. And I was the whole time that this was going on, I was thinking, this is a train wreck. We can't handle what we already have, and we want God to give us more. If he gives us more, we can't handle it. We got to be responsible with what we already have. We have to be first be found faithful this way. We have to learn how to serve. We have to learn how to distribute. We have to learn how to, to take care of others. I think that this is so cool. This friend and Shirley constantly giving to other people. Guess what? They are not a line item in our budget. We don't have a Fran and Shirley fund. They do this on their own. The back of this Fran's car is filled with stuff. She goes in and she barters at Walmart. Who knew, right? <laughs> Who knew? She goes in and says, those are 10 cents. Well, how much will they be if I buy all of them? Need <laughs> in that. She's got pistols everywhere, man. Erasers. She is ready to go back to school. And at the end of the month, you're not in school age anymore, are you, Miss Fran? Well, I did want to <laughs> There you go. There you go. But do you get what I'm saying? How many people are they pouring into? How many lives are they investing in? You go to the church now and you say, I need someone to be a Sunday school teacher. Everybody goes, Ed Saul can teach two classes. He's free at 9.30. Y'all can come a little bit early. He'll teach for 45 minutes, and then he'll take another 45-minute class at 10.15. We can do it that way. It's like echo. Why? Because that's responsibility to pour into somebody else's life. Ooh, if I teach that class, I'm going to have to read the Bible myself. I'm going to have to study up and know what's going on when I go in there. You see, we're... We need the ability and responsibility for us to step up to see God move more in our lives. But we're looking to get out of it. What can I lay off to somebody else and how much more do I have to do? This is the wrong thought process. This is the wrong way to look at this. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8. This is one of my favorite passages all of Scripture. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must do what God has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is why I do not berate you about anything financially. We're talking 
talking about treasure today. It's in the passage that we're going through. But I don't have a sermon series every year talking about finances. And the reason I don't is because God wants you to give as a cheerful giver. And when we have to come to you and say that there's a need for something, and that we need to pick it up because we're behind or something like that, we're not cheerful about that at all. God wants you to give what you have purpose in your heart. And you need to be about that business with Him. Not about the preacher doing that. But you need to be mindful of what He just said right there before that. He who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. So, and He says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance in every good deed. There it is right there. You get it, I'm going to get it. You get it, I'm going to get it. You get it, I'm going to get it. And that's the way God works. That is the flow. You want to know how to unlock the wealth of God? Get it away. Whatever it is. Time, talent, treasure, passion. Give it away. He does say rest. He tells us to rest. Stop and rest for yourself. Recuperate. Reinvigorate. I have been on vacation. Can you tell? <laughs> Can you tell? I'm like in your face today, man. I am on fire. Maybe not out there, but right here. I'm feeling it. It's been two weeks. I have rested. We need to stop. And take a break every once in a while. It recuperates us. It refreshes us. It revives us. But then we need to get back in the game. Vacation Bible School next week, baby. 6.30 to 9 every night. We are here ready to go. Ready to go because one of those kids may receive Christ. Why do we spend the money to do all this from this, that, and the other? Because one of these kids may receive Christ. We get to fill that up. When that is filled up, I am filled up. Does it fill you up? Yes. Same thing. That's why we do this. That is what our life's mission is. That is the purpose of this church. It is not to eat fried chicken on special days. The fellowship hall is for fellowshipping, but it's for more folks. And the reason being is to gather, not to keep, but to send out. It's not how many people are on the premises, it's how impactful we are in the community. This is what this is all about. Psalm 37, I mentioned this. I'll get to Psalm 37, this is awesome stuff too. Better is a little of the righteous than the abundance of many wickedness. Your money used for God's kingdom is more important than more abundance. I don't care how much. 
giving just a little bit. I'm not saying that wicked people, I'm just saying secular. Alright? For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be how long? Forever. And they will not be ashamed in the time of evil. And in the days of famine they will have a what? But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back. But the righteous is gracious and gives. And I have been young, and now I'm old. This is David. And yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. You ain't going to run out. All day long, he is gracious and wins. Did you notice that term there? Whose money is it anyway? It's his money. He is lending it to you. This, what you've been given is on loan to you from God. And his descendants are a blessing. Now notice this. The majority of this passage right here is not talking about me. It's talking about our descendants and what we pour into. It's talking about the front row right here. It's talking about everybody that our life is intended for after we're gone. Do you get it? We think that we need to have the fun now and have the most toys, the biggest toys, and that's how we win. We actually lose that way. Totally lose. We want our life to be effectual for the kingdom of God. It must be invested here and not in ourselves. But in everyone else around us. Why? Because our faith now depends on it and the faith of our overcommit. We overspend. We don't think about what we're 